You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom. Yes, welcome again for another Physics Ed Podcast. Hey, glad to have you. And I must say, this is a really interesting chat if you love your space and your biology. This is all about a really large summit, the Australian Space Biology and Health Summit. It's the third time it's been held, and it's coming up in November of this year in 2021. Seriously, it's a massive program. Over a 1,000 industry and academic leaders are participating, and guess what? There is an education component as well. In fact, there are three specific challenges that your students, yes, students, can get involved in with ASBX. And today we are talking with one of the main people involved, Dr. Joshua Chow. He's one of Australia's leading exponents of space biology and health. And I've got to say, as you listen to him, you can hear he's totally passionate when it comes to really dealing with disease and linking with engineering principles. And guess what? microgravity, which is a really fascinating conversation in its own right. But we are definitely talking about the Australian Space Biology and Health Summit and how you can get your students involved. So let's head on right in. This is the Physics Ed Podcast. We're all about science, ed tech and more. To see 100 fun free experiments you can do with your class, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. And click 100 free experiments. Absolutely. And I have to say up front that I, I wear a couple of hats, um, but uh, on a day-to-day basis, I'm a senior lecturer over at the University of Technology, Sydney, um, in the School of Biomedical Engineering. So in essence, I'm a researcher. So my background is really in cell biology, and you know I'm really passionate and interested in understanding you know, what makes the body tick, and always more importantly, what makes it tick and what causes it to you know, go into you know, disease state. And as part of that, you know, I've been, you know, all over the world. I've done um, research um, positions in Japan, also at Harvard, um, and come back to Australia. So, you know, being around the world, and you know, once like when I came back, I really I was really fascinated with, you know, how microgravity, you know, in space really affects the human body because it actually mimics a lot of the conditions of, you know, the aging process or disease um, conditions here on Earth. So there's that cross. Um, correlation uh, between the two. So it's really fascinated me as a biologist um, to really understand what makes our body tick, what makes diseases tick, um, and hope of, you know, finding better treatment methods or, you know, just basic understanding of um, how things work. That is quite a trajectory there. <laughs> I was just thinking, what on earth got you into this? I mean, biomedical engineering, understand that. And then cell biology, understand that. Then you slid in just quietly microgravity. Then you kept talking. <laughs> uh, where did where did this fascination come from? Absolutely, everyone asked me that question. Um, to be honest, um, I was involved in one of the NASA phone projects um, when I was at Harvard, so that kind of got me, you know, a first glimpse into you know what is microgravity, how it affects the human body, and you know what are the processes that are involved in it. And it really hit me hard that you know we don't really understand quite a lot about you know how the body or diseases actually respond in microgravity we we of course we know quite a bit but it's very you know it's not very deep in terms of you know that understanding so it really got i saw that there was an opportunity and of course you know as everyone knows right now there's you know big aspiration um, to go you know further and deeper into space and these are real fundamental questions that we really have to answer before anyone could really go out there and let alone colonize other planets. So 
this is not an easy undertaking. It's, you know, I'm just going to go out and study uh, microgravity and see what happens to <laughs> self cultures. <laughs> so, just as thinking, it's like, that's a lot of steps involved and, and undoubtedly a lot of parties involved as well. Uh, so, what, which way do you, what are your first steps to, to make that sort of start to happen? You're absolutely right. You know, there is, there's interest around the world and re from researchers as well. But what we were lacking before was really the technology to be able to conduct this type of studies. You can imagine, you know, of course you can do, you know, actual research or experiments on the ISS, but that takes a lot of time, not to mention the, the price tag that comes with it. So really for me, the first step was to develop these technologies. So the first thing that we did was really to develop a simulated microgravity device. Um, so it's called a random positioning machine, an RPM. Um, basically it rotates in the X and Y axis um, at a certain um, acceleration or rate um, that basically cancels out the gravity axes or as close as we can. So once we have this device and, you know, we're starting to put, you know, different cells, um, both healthy cells and also cancer cells and other types of diseases and viruses in there just to see what happens. And, you know, we were really, you know, taken away by, you know, how they responded. And that really kickstarted um, all my research in this area of microgravity. Yeah. I've got to really ask about this. I mean, it's such a, it's such a broad question. I know you could go into ridiculous amounts of detail, but it's a simple question. What, happens what is what, what what's the difference between a healthy cell and a cancerous tumor so to speak like what what do you see happen in simulated microgravity absolutely and you know what we what we initially thought was you know is it going to die is it going to you know accelerate their you know function mechanisms and really the conclusion we came up with is that your all the different cells in your body react differently to microgravity so for example heart cells you know we can imagine our heart is always pumping so under microgravity conditions, heart cells don't really affect them too much. And this is a good thing because we would hope that our astronauts won't have, you know, have a heart attack or any heart conditions when they're up there for a long time. But you know, cancer cells and bone cells, we all know astronauts lose a lot of bone and we finally understand why because bone cells and cancer, they're probably our body's most mechanosensitive. What that means is they're very responsive to, you know, the mechanical um, loading uh, stimulation. Um, so, you know, we've all heard the phrases, you know, going to the gym is good for you, doing exercise is good for you. And that's because our body needs these mechanical stimuli um, to keep, you know, our body and our cells functioning properly. So you can definitely see, you know, in microgravity where you're floating in space because there's no loading, um, it really does affect the body. Yeah, wow. I mean, uh, by the way, the RPM thing, I have seen a, a little bit of what you get up to. It does, it sort of reminds me of those amusement park rides. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have been approached by people and like, oh, can we build one of these for humans and just keep spinning them? I'm like, yeah, it, you probably could, but um, they'll probably end up vomiting more than curing anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a few movies that have depicted that quite graphically. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it's cool. Actually, it got me thinking. I mean, so I mean, obviously, this is human biology. Um, I mean, this might be a bit, bit of an out there question, but I'm kind of thinking, what about plants? I mean, plants experience disease in different ways, and they do respond to gravity. And I mean, with certainly gravitropism is a thing in plants. Um, what would happen? I'm just, just curious. Would would disease cells in plants do the same thing, or would it be the same in fungi and, and, and other forms of life? Like, I mean, 
this is really, I suppose, a fundamental thing that we've got to look at because if we are going to establish a colony on you know, the moon or on Mars or whoever else we end up getting it over a thousand years or so of, uh, as we go, I'm kind of just curious. I mean, is it a uniform change? Can you expect something to happen in an animal cell as you can in a plant cell as you can in other cells? Or is it very, 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 very specific because of the organism that we're dealing with? Absolutely. And this is a very interesting question. And this is something that I'm very passionate about is to, you know, promote more about space biology and space biology, most people associated with, you know, the human aspect, but biology obviously extends into, you know, plants as well. Um, personally, I haven't had the time or resource to expand into the plant biology per se, but, but we do see that it is very important. So I remember, it was, I think it was about two years ago when um, the Chinese first landed on the moon, they also tried to grow bean sprout, um, but it died after two or three days. Um, and this is a very good example of, you know, the difference in the environment will affect the growth of, um, you know, different plants and um, how, how they function as well. So plants are definitely what we call mechanosensitive as well. It means that they are susceptible to these different mechanical stimuli. And so convert, so, you know, definitely, you know, putting them in this microgravity environment will affect their, you know, function and mechanism and their growth. So right now we are expanding into that area of research. We've actually partnered with Australia's, you know, One Giant Leap Foundation. Um, recently they've received some wattle seeds that came back from space. Um, so we're working with them to, you know, characterize those seeds and, you know, see how microgravity has affected them um, down at the molecular and cellular level. Yeah, that is fantastic. I mean, I love it also the connection with Australian, well, well, we're in Australia, you're in Australia, we're actually, we're in the same city, uh, but, but the, you know, having, um, you know, research is really directly connected with this particular nation is kind of neat, considering how many nations could be involved in this, it's, it's really cool. And what I love, then you did allude to this when you first mentioned that, yes, you have, you do wear a lot of hats and understandably so, you've got a summit coming up, all on space biology, and it's not that far away. Can you, I'd love to know a bit more about it. Absolutely, absolutely. So we are hosting uh, the Australian Space Biology and Health Summit um, on November 16th to 19th. It's a free event, uh, so anyone can register, but you have to register to be able to access um, the content. Um, so what we've done really is to bring the whole world together to this one platform. So you know, before this conference, you know, there was people who do space biology, but everyone was kind of doing their own thing. Everyone was separated. So what I wanted to do was to really bring everyone together. And you can definitely see, you know, from the first um, first time we held it in 2018, um, we, we only had about 100 people, but every year we've, you know, tripled if not quadruple in size in terms of the number of speakers and attendees um, and this really you know signified the importance of space biology and health um, because they kind of go hand to hand together so you know what you will be expect um, what you expect from this conference is really to hear from world leaders um, not only from research perspective but also from industry because I think the, all these you know go hand in hand and you know space biology and health is very different that you need to take a multidisciplinary approach. Um, that means we need more people and more experts to be involved to really address um, all the challenges associated with human beings in space. And, you know, personally, I'm very excited with some of the speakers, you know, we have um, experts from JAXA talking about space food for all the foodies out there. Um, I'm personally curious about, you know, what is it that they eat up there? Um, and, you know, all the way to 
skincare moisturizer being developed um, for space and of course you know the, the biology aspect there's just so many incredible things um from the speakers and even the latest um i think only a couple of days ago the um the inspir the inspiron four um that landed back um so we will be talking to the people that are involved in it and just to hear a debrief about what they learned from that mission Oh, absolutely. And actually, yeah, for the foodies out there, absolutely. As we speak on the International Space Station right now, I do know there are some chili plants being grown, which means <laughs> you might have an actual first fruiting body. And I know that you might be going, why chilies? Why not tomatoes or potatoes or whatever? Uh, well, uh, your taste drops. <laughs> you lose a bit of your taste when you're up there. And so chilies are, yeah, everyone loves a bit of chili sauce up there, I've heard. Um, it's, it's very, very cool. But what I do love about what you're doing in your summit is that you've opened up an opportunity for really young kids, like really young. Now there's three challenges coming up, which are for, for schools and you know youth groups to get involved in a few different ways. And I really wanted to hear a bit more about this because I know there are people listening in who look after students of different ages. And so Joshua, can you let us know a bit about these uh, challenges, please? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, uh, the summit is really focused on, you know, the, the research aspect and, and the development of it. And we, what we wanted to do was really to inspire uh, the younger generation. It's, and it's not necessarily just to inspire the younger generation. It's also for the younger generation to inspire us. Um, because, you know, we are involved in it so deeply. Sometimes we need, um, you know, different inspiration. So, you know, this year we're very honored um, and very happy that we can expand the scope of the summit to include young researchers um, to be involved. Um, and, you know, for all the listeners out there, you know, you can be involved in different capacities. As, you know, Ben uh, mentioned, you know, we have three different challenges. And um, one is being uh, drawing um, challenges for those people who like to express through their art. Um, we really value that. Um, and there are young pre presentation um, categories as well for those um, people out there who want to present their research or their ideas. Nothing's too big or too small. Um, we just want to hear and see your ideas. And of course, there's one that is for, for writing um, competition where you can write um, and share your ideas with us. So, you know, we hope that we're able to cater and address, you know, the different mediums in which you are able to communicate um, your ideas to us. Um, and also for us to share with the world stage, you know, what your thoughts are and look you know sometimes you know the smallest ideas can turn out to be the biggest um innovation so we really want to hear from you hear your ideas get everyone involved and share your ideas with the rest of the world and of course there are you know prizes to be won certificates to be given so we will recognize you um for all your hard work and efforts um to share with us your ideas I love that. And, and actually, I was just, just sort of thinking, going, I mean, you wouldn't expect a, a drawing competition always to be in, involved in some of this. I mean, often it's the research side, and it's very cool you've got the young researchers involved and, of course, writing about it. But the, the, the drawing aspect actually brings an opportunity to actually link it with real research at the same time. It got me thinking about, um, there's a person, her name's Jillian, she runs a thing called Imagine Naturalist. I must have her on this podcast at some time. She, um, she, she does this thing where uh, the imagine what life forms might actually look like given the abiotic parameters that mm -hmm. surround that particular moon or planet or whatever it is. And so it actually forces you to think about well, what would they look like? I mean, are they silica based? Are they carbon based? And uh, how big would they be based on the gravity, et cetera, et cetera. So you can kind of link uh, imagination with fundamental constraints of the universe at the same time. <laughs> kind of, it, 
nap juice is a really interesting thing. and i know because i mean having a look at the comp uh, the, the different challenges the different competitions you've got there joshua the uh you've got this quite wide i mean it's not for the just for the older kids either you got it for the young kids too which is great absolutely absolutely and, and you know i have kids myself and i like to see i enjoy his creativity and that's why we wanted to try to cover pretty much all the age age groups that we can um because i really believe that you know everyone has something that can they can share and contribute um and it doesn't it's not limited by age or you know or different um, groups of people so that's why we are very passionate to open this to literally everyone in australia and the world which means we really should let people know where on earth to find said competition. The summit itself, and it's, you know, it's the third annual one, is it? So it's 2021. So, I mean, if people listening on this a couple of years' time, it's you know a couple of years down the track, I'm sure, I'm sure the summit will be going and be bigger and brighter and all the rest. Uh, it's, it's, so it's in November, but what, where, do we, where do we head off? What, what's the website? Where do, we, where do we find out more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you go to www.asbx.com.au, um, you will see all the programs um, right now. Um, you can register to attend the conference for free. Um, and there's a, uh, there's a tab up there, competition. So you can click on that and it will have all the competition details and you can register for that. Um, it's pretty straightforward and simple. Um, if, if, and if you have any questions, um, feel free to reach out to one of our friendly um, team members. They'll be more than happy to help you out. Absolutely. So now, by the way, if you do miss those submission deadlines, that doesn't matter because you can actually use these frameworks in a lot of ways to create your own competition in-house in your own school or wherever you are. So in January or February or March or April, May, whenever it is that you, you've got students in front of you, you could still do those things as many challenges. But then again, ASBX will come around again and perhaps there might be an opportunity to submit again. It's a good, you know, good practice opportunity. So don't feel like, oh my gosh, I missed the deadline. There's always another opportunity for sure. And actually that gets me thinking, I mean, um, I mean, space biology is such a broad thing that we can look at. I mean, if you had um, some educate, educators in front of you and they were sort of looking at, well, how, what are the first steps in getting kids excited? Firstly, about space, secondly, about biology, and then thirdly, combining the two, what would you suggest? Well, you know, it's really up to the imagination, but, you know, it could be as simple as, you know, what would life look like on the moon um, or how will, will life look like on Mars? You know, these are obviously the two more um, classic um, scenarios because those are the two places we have aspiration to live on. Um, and, and then, you know, you can extend that very easily into, you know, what life would look like in terms of, you know, the buildings that we'll live in, um, the food that we'll um, be eating, um, the type of activities that we'll be doing due to the um, lower gravity of the moon and so on. So it is very broad. And I think that is the beauty of it, that there, there is no limit to your imagination and that any, any ideas is, is a great idea. Um, and this is what we want to foster is to, to start having these thoughts um, to really anticipate what the future will look like. And more importantly, how we can try to achieve that and get there yeah that, that make, makes total sense i mean i suppose it's always about being you know the first spark that ignites the fire yes it's cliched but <laughs> there's a reason the cliche exists <laughs> no, no, this is really really cool and, I, and, and well done by the way for putting together this summer i know that's not a, a a small undertaking i know you've got a fantastic team of supporting uh you and and obviously the net, as the networks grow it, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger as, as things go along but more importantly it's not just an out there thing that's you know, abstract and doesn't affect society at large the research that's being done 
does affect people here on earth. And uh, really, really awesome um, the, the work that you're doing, as well as you know, not just in the research, but also inspiring the next generation to do the research next. And that's yeah. really what it's all about. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And look, you know, we, 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 what we want to do is to inspire the next generation because, uh, quite frankly, we depend on them. <laughs> and, you know, like you said rightfully, you know, the biology and health aspect, those are all translatable um, to health and biology here on Earth. So that's why, you know, we're very passionate about this type of research is because it's not only to support, you know, human expansion in space, but more importantly, supporting healthcare and lifestyle in general down here on Earth. Exactly. And that's, this, that's what's fantastic about everything about it. Research is always just one step to the next thing. <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it just is. Look, uh, look, Joshua, thanks so much for jumping on the, on the podcast. And, and if you're listening and, and you, you didn't get that, it is ASBX. That is where you got to head off. Type in ASBX into your favorite search engine and you will find the Space Biology Summit coming up and, um, and all, all the things that are happening. And uh, definitely... Uh, I will always will put those links in the show notes, of course, too. So Joshua, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, chat. And uh, look, hey, looking forward to the summit. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. We hope you've been enjoying the Physics Ed podcast. We love making science make sense. Why don't you book us for a science show or workshop in your school? If you're outside of Australia, you can connect with us via a virtual excursion. See our website for more. So how good would it be to have your students involved with the Australia Space Biology and Health Summit, which is coming up in November? And by the way, if you miss it in 2021, it will come up in 2022 and onwards. Space biology is a serious theme which is coming up, especially if we're serious about getting to the moon and Mars and beyond. And by the way, Dr. Joshua Chow is very, very accomplished in what he does. He is a Charlie Teo Fellow and he was awarded the Australia Space Award Research of the Year in 2020 and was a 2021 finalist for the UTS Chancellor's Medal for Research Excellence. So you've got to love what he's doing. If you want to find out a bit more about Joshua, go check out the show notes, which will have the link, but also check out the profiles at UTS, the University of Technology in Sydney, and look up Joshua Chow and you'll find out what he's getting up to, especially through the School of Biomedical Engineering. Love his work. So hey, that's the end of this particular podcast, but as usual, we have lots coming when it comes to STEM education, you've been listening to me, Ben Newsom from Physics Education, and this is the Physics Ed Podcast, and I'll catch you another time. You've been listening to another Physics Ed Podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book, and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au